Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. So today, we are going to be talking about racing for recovery, racing for recovery. And I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman named Todd Crandall. And Todd Crandall is someone that you need to check out on the internet. He is all over the internet, and you can see him um, not only... uh, leading racing for recovery and we're going to talk about that today but his concept of recovery the things that that you can do to supplement and help your recovery and then just some of the races that that he's involved in and i'll just as a little quick background and how i came across todd and why i became interested is that if you've listened to this podcast long enough you'll know that fitness was a big big part of my recovery journey when i finally got into recovery still is and diet exercise, um, getting the proper nutrition, vitamins, taking care of yourself was a big, big part of my recovery. And when I was searching through what I needed to do um, to to accomplish that, you know, I got into spin classes. I did a podcast on, you know, how I, I began teaching spin classes. But I came across some YouTube videos, and this guy named Todd Crandall was doing um, all these different races. But the one that caught my attention was Ultraman Triathlon. And Todd's going to talk about, I hear him groaning there because he's thinking, I don't want to do that again, but he's going to tell us about that. But what was nice about it was it captured, you know, as you're going through YouTube and I'm looking at videos, when I saw Ultraman, A, I was like, what is that? And then B, I was like, why would anybody do that? But Todd did do that. And Todd, you encouraged a good friend of mine while we were watching one of your videos, Heidi Marshall. And if you listen to this podcast, you've heard her interviewed on the show. Heidi Marshall now has done uh, two Ultraman events. And Todd, I'm holding you responsible for that because you were the inspiration for that. So with that, Todd, welcome to the to the program. I'm honored to be on here. Wow. What an intro. Uh, Heidi, good on you for doing those two Ultramans. I love it. That's great. I think she's still recovering from them. And that was like two years ago. She's still in recovery that. mode. <laughs> yep. So tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and, and and what you do. So you have an interesting background, as uh, all of us in recovery do, because you are in recovery yourself. So uh, how did we get here? Well, I, I like to start off talking about uh, how addiction takes place. And more importantly than the addiction, how trauma affects low self-esteem that leads to self-harm as a coping mechanism. And for me... I'm the survivor, and I like to say it that way. I'm the survivor of my mom's suicide from her drug addiction when I was three years old. Her brother, my uncle, also committed suicide, and my aunt also committed suicide. So three out of four kids in my mom's family uh, committed suicide, two of those being addicted. So what are we talking about right there? Well, you've got genetic predisposition. You do have, obviously, the drug addiction. Everybody knows drugs are bad. But then to, to carry the, the cycle on, that's where, for me, my troubles began. I, I just never felt worthy. I never felt a part of anything. I just felt different is a good way to describe it. Isolated, alone, not good enough. These are the feelings I carried 
as a young kid. And fortunately, I, I found athletics as kind of my savior during my childhood. I had, I had dreams of becoming a pro hockey player and, and hockey took up my, my life as a young kid. But then at the age of 13, I took my first drink and that's where my story ends up like everybody else, you know, all the drama that comes along with it. But when I, when I think of telling my story, it's not really about how much cocaine I did and all that stuff. It's more about why I was choosing to use drugs and alcohol yeah. and what I've learned about the impact of trauma, how I've now been coping, coping with it effectively with um, just under 28 years of sobriety, and then giving that back in service through my program, Racing for Recovery. Well, and you guys are based out of Holland, uh, Ohio? Correct. Right? Okay. Yep. Just south of Toledo. Yep. All right. So, so you are the president and founder of Racing for Recovery, correct? Yes. I started it in 2001, uh, eight years into my sobriety. And after being featured in our local newspaper, after doing Ironman New Zealand, the, uh, you know, the, the focus of the newspaper article was, you know, former, you know, drug addict, which I don't like labeling us drug addicts, but former addict turns into sober triathlon father guy. And the response from that newspaper article was just absolutely overwhelming. And I thought I can do something with this story to help other people. And that's when I formed Racing for Recovery. Okay. And so what, Tell us about racing recovery. So what, what is it that, that's done there and how do we incorporate that into recovery and how are you using it to help the community? Well, great question. And I, I love this question. So first and foremost, um, I, I don't want anybody to think that it, it's, an, it's an organization that was in, started to be in competition with any other organization. Specifically, we're talking about AA. Uh, I admire AA. I respect it. I used it for the first couple years of my sobriety. I think it's a wonderful program. Um, I do think it's like one piece of a pizza. Mm -hmm. It's a great piece of a pizza, but I want the whole, I want the other pieces. So putting racing for recovery together, initially, I just wanted to put on a 5k running event the way race for the cure had done for breast cancer. I'm like, well, I want to do this for substance abuse prevention in kids and then recovery for those battling addiction. And it was interesting that during the first year of promoting that initial 5K, I started to get a ton of phone calls from people that were going to traditional support group meetings asking me if I had a different format with respect to support groups. So I didn't want to copy AA. I'm not a person that likes to steal other people's concepts. So I thought, well, what's missing? And what was missing was combining family members in the community in the meetings with people who are battling addiction. Why do we do that? Well, everybody is affected by addiction. So everybody needs to learn what it's like to be in the depths of addiction and also have empathy for the family members who are dealing with us that are using drugs. So that that's initially what made Racing for Recovery unique is we were doing something in the treatment community that wasn't ever done before. And over the past 20 years, we've taken that unique format, we've put it into a live stream format. Um, I've gone back and gotten a master's degree in counseling. I'm also licensed on two different levels to 
clinically diagnose co-occurring disorders while, again, we're simultaneously treating people in addiction, but also helping them to sustain that sobriety through a balanced holistic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it's, for us, it's more than just not drinking. It's understanding why we were drinking and then living a life that we are content with and are with inner peace, not drinking. And there's a big difference between not drinking and being miserable and not drinking and actually living a good life. You know, that's so true. And and if you've been around recovery for a while, if you're if you're listening, you, you may hear this term um, dry drunk. And I and I say dry drunk just because alcohol is my was my presenting issue, okay? But it, you we could be talking about drugs, we could be talking about sex, food, other things, right? And Correct. and what we mean by that, <clears throat> just by way of background, is a dry drunk is somebody that is not drinking or not doing whatever their presenting issue is, but they're not content with not doing it. They're doing what we call white knuckling it, meaning they're holding on for dear life. You know, because really, uh, when we get into sobriety, quality sobriety, we should be content with it. We should be happy with it. We should be, this isn't something that we should be battling every day. It should be, we found a new way of life and we're happy with it, no matter what our life circumstances are. And and Todd, I think that's that's what you're talking about here, is that finding that other way, because um, you know, what happens when we're not involved in our addiction, our, our presenting addiction anymore, it frees us up to do everything that we couldn't do, that our addiction took away from us. For many people, for you and for me, that, that was diet and exercise. And, and I agree with you, Todd, that, that that is a piece of the pie that I noticed early on w- was missing because, you know, when I, at the end of my drinking, um, I know that there, my, I was malnourished. I was uh, wow. out of shape, you know, I, and all of that, all of that by not having, you know, the serotonin levels where they need to be, the vitamins where you need minerals, where you need, you know, that, that health aspect of it, um, that actually makes recovery harder. You having a balanced lifestyle and a healthy lifestyle. And, and I think folks, the listeners need to understand helps us in our recovery. Would you, would you agree with that, Todd? 100%. So let's delve into this a little bit. If you, Let's you okay, you're done drinking, right? But you're you're smoking cigarettes, you're sitting around talking about how drunk you got, how many beers you drank, how many cars you crashed, you go out, you have some donuts, some ice cream, then maybe you're jacked up on caffeine, you can't get a good night's sleep, you don't like the job you're working at, you're not gonna be a pretty uh, a happy person. No. And your kids are gonna be affected by that. Your spouse is going to be affected by that. Your peers at work. It's just, it's not living our best. So if we can get a good night's sleep, wake up the next morning with energy, gratitude to start the day and ready to go with, uh, you know, a nice glass of water, some movement of any kind, followed by, you know, I'm a plant-based diet type of guy, followed by a healthy breakfast, you are going to be more inclined to A, engage in faith, engage in education, engage in learning about self, being of service to other people, all these other things that we don't have to do, that we're privileged to do, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a better mindset going at it. So exercise and nutrition, first and foremost, are free. You know, you got to buy your food or whatever, but it's it's free. It's not paying $500 to go to treatment somewhere. It's free. 
And when we take care of our bodies, our minds and souls will follow with it. And I am 100% an advocate. It's proven science and all this stuff that any physical movement of 30 minutes or more a day is going to enhance the endorphins that we're looking for in all these substances with drugs and alcohol. But it's authentic way of living this time. That's right. And and you just mentioned endorphins. And by the way, folks, that's a, a natural way of boosting um your natural systems that will help you out of depression. It'll it'll help prevent depression, won't it? 100%. And if we get back to, you know, the the founders of AA, right? Um, And I'm going to, is it, it's Dr. Bob, right? Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Bob. Who's who's from Ohio, by the way, he's an Ohio guy. Absolutely. Akron. I've seen, I've been to his house. Yeah. Um, If you think about it, he was prescribing niacin and vitamin C for his patients with depression and anxiety. So he was using a natural remedy. And if, I don't know how your listeners are so, uh, if they're really in tune to some of the things with AA, but I find it fascinating that that was the foundation of what they were doing. But as soon as the American Medical Association figured out they could call it a disease and make money off of it, his whole concept kind of got changed a little bit into the uh, the medical model that we follow today. So in in, in essence, I, I've just gone back to the basics and said, well, look, exercise was helping me as a kid. Good food has always been a good thing. Those are the two things I did when I first got sober on day one, and I still use them all these years later. It's the It is the foundation or the catalyst of everything awesome in sobriety that is built upon. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I do think, and that's something I have found, um, Todd, in my own recovery, is that a lot of what we do is pretty basic stuff. I mean, you can go read a lot of books and, you know, you've been educated on addiction. I'm, I'm in another graduate program learning about co-occurring disorders and um, addiction as well. And that's fine. And that's great. And it's, it is important to understand the science and the, the all the literature that's out that's important. But really, it's just kind of basic stuff. It is, um, A... Uh, when we get into the causes and conditions of why, because that's what we have to do. People need to understand that uh, um, these programs that we're talking about, whether they're 12-step programs or the program you follow or any of the others, there's a myriad of programs that are out there. At the end of the day, those programs aren't getting you to stop drinking or drugging. They're designed to keep you from starting drinking and drugging. And then so the question is, like today, I've got years of sobriety, you got years of sobriety. And if I was to go out and drink today, Today, I after nine years, little over nine years, the question would be, why? Why did you pick today to go out and drink? And the, the answer to that is going to be, there was something in my life that made me feel unsettled enough to, to go out and do it. it th- there was something in my life that I'm not happy with, I'm upset about, and that's going to cause me to go out and pick up the drink. So everything that we do is designed to prevent that from happening. And one of those is, let's say I'm not feeling good. Let's say I'm having a bad day. Because, hey, folks, I got news for you. Just because you're sober doesn't mean that life doesn't happen. I've had more tragedy happen in my life in sobriety than I did prior to getting sober, but I didn't drink over it, right? So how is that? Well, one of those is, for me, and it sounds like, Todd, that you may be in the same boat, is if I'm feeling depressed or if I'm feeling down, because depression and resentments are big reasons why people go back out and use drugs or alcohol. Um, I find that going for a run, going to a spin class, going for a bike ride, going to the weight room, 
um, helps me. And I usually feel whatever, how depressed I felt after I go for a, a run, I come back, I'm not as depressed. And so that that's a natural, I didn't have to take a drug. I didn't have to take a pill. I just went out and, and boosted my natural um, defenses against depression. 100%. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Are you the fact that you are coping and I'm using some, you know, yeah. uh, cliche treatment stuff. You're using a coping skill to exercise. That's a choice, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This is the big piece with racing for recovery. People don't relapse huh. back into drinking. They choose to drink to cope with life's hardships. I would agree with Just that. Just yep. 100%. That we have There's four big ideas that are in our uh, book called There's More Than One Way to Get to Cleveland. And the the first one is, is you can get sober. That's a fact. And you never have to drink again. That's a fact, too. The second big idea is we can achieve anything in sobriety. That's another fact. The third thing is, and you mentioned this earlier, Michael, we're not immune to life's hardships. No. Right? People are going to die. You're going to lose a job or something's going to happen. We're not immune to life's hardships. But number four is I have the ability to make a cognizant choice to stay sober, to cope with that effect, with that emotional hardship. And that is, to, to me, that is empowering. I, I don't believe we're, we're powerless people that can't make these choices. We're choosing to either stay sober and cope effectively, or we're choosing to self-destruct and cope with using drugs and alcohol again and again and again. And those are fundamental choices. We're a big advocate of choice. And when you can empower yourself to make those choices on a consistent basis, you start getting into a lifestyle where you automatically look for effective coping ways to deal with stuff and not detrimental ways. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it starts with, and I've said this before, and in fact, I, I just said this to somebody recently that I've, I've been, that is struggling with alcohol, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to assist this person uh, as much as I can. And the comment was made to me, I, 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 you don't understand, Mike, I can't stop drinking. <laughs> well, right. I know you can't. Now, how do I know that? Because I did. And, right. and you, Todd, you know that because you did. And in mine, I was not, I was not an easy case because remember folks, and I've talked about this before in, in the podcast, I come from an environment, military, police, FBI. Mm. Um, I, I was conditioned to not be powerless over anything or anyone. The word powerlessness was not in my vocabulary. Uh, and that's a great trait for the profession that I was in. But if you're an addict or an alcoholic, that is a horrible trait to have. Uh, right. Because me understanding that when I went up against alcohol, I lost every, every single time. time, every yeah. single time, every single time, Todd, I right. lost. And I know you did too. And and I had to be surrounded by people that had done it and hit, could show me the way and say, Mike, you know, you, you can do this. But there's certain things that you're going to have to do. And you're going to have to do these things. And once I started doing those things and just embraced it and then embraced other ways of thinking and and having, you mentioned uh, gratitude, Todd, you know, having gratitude every single day and thinking of other people and how I could help other people. It was amazing. That sounds simple and it sounds, and it, and it sounds cliche, but I'm telling you, 
that as long as I was thinking about your problems and helping you mm-hmm. through your problems, the funny thing is I kind of thought less about my own problems and I was able to start putting together some sobriety. Um, but what I like about what you guys do is along with that, we have to, if we are ill, if our bodies are physically ill and we are not taking care of our bodies, we are making it harder for ourselves mm-hmm. in that recovery journey. And Agreed. that's what I like what you guys emphasize there. 100%. Love what we're talking about. This is great. So when, um, tell us about some of the programs that you have. Obviously, the health and fitness part is central. And I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, that's me looking at you guys. That seems to be the central theme there. But, but what else is going on there? So if I was to show up uh, there at your facility and, and meet you, what can I expect to see and what kinds of things do you do for the folks that come and see you? Well, currently we're, we're lodging just under 150 souls. Um, awesome souls, as I like to call them. So we have a lodging program. And in fact, hopefully within a month or so, we're going to start building our own detox and lodging uh, facility that will connect to our current uh what do we have here? 16,000 square foot of, of space out here currently that we're going to add to it. So again, we have about 150 people that we're lodging in a couple of hotels that are across the street from our, our location here. What do we do with those people every day? Well, we have two gyms that we do exercise stuff. We have a commercial kitchen that we do nutritional stuff. We have spiritual meetings. We do yoga we do partial hospitalization, PHP programs. We do intensive outpatient programs, individual counseling, family counseling, assessments, um, support group meetings, trauma groups. Uh, what else is on there? I think a, a smoking sensation program. Uh, so we do a lot of things that make up that entire pizza that I was talking about before. So what you're right. And one, some people could look at us initially and go, oh, well, these guys are all about running. Well, th- that's not true. We have one 5K running event a year to celebrate all the work that we do during the year. But Racing for Recovery has a plethora of services that we utilize every day to make people well, if you will. And what does well mean? Well, well is not just physical. It's spiritual, emotional, intellectual psychological, social, all that stuff. So that we focus on all of those components in a myriad of ways that help people better themselves. You know, we have a a parenting program, a nutrition program. So uh, we're doing a lot of services to help people be their best. Oh, wow. Now, are these mainly folks that are local there or do you have people from around the country? Uh, we get people, yeah, we get people that are coming in from all over the place. In fact, it's, you know, I'm going to use God on this, you know, hopefully that doesn't offend anybody, but you can call them Buddha or whoever you want. Um, we, when we first got our building, you know, it took us 15 years of basically just doing pro bono services in the community before we got our building that then actually a business started to come to fruition with that. But we didn't have a lodging program and we got a call from a family in Arizona that said, Hey, we love what you guys are doing. We'd like to send our son out there. And we were like, okay, that's great. What are we going to do with this guy? And one of my, my work coworkers here was like, well, Hey, we could put him in the hotel right across the street and then bring him over here every day and do services with him." 
And that one person from Arizona has led to a constant, you know, 150 people that were packed. We can't take any more than that. It's we're full all the time um, with helping people. So it's grown with people coming from different parts of the country. I don't think we've had anybody from overseas that have come here yet. We've done our live stream support group meeting gets about 2000 people that are watching from, from different parts of the world every week. But um, it, it, this thing has grown tremendously just in the past five years. Wow. Uh, I actually didn't know that you had a residential program there. So that's, that's a new development. When did that start? Uh, 2016. Okay. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, wow. That must, what's the size of your staff? You must have a pretty large staff. Well, we came out here with three and we just hired our 19th person yesterday. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Now, has COVID been um, detrimental? I mean, obviously it's detrimental to the whole country, but how has that impacted you guys? COVID has been an interesting thing again, and I'll probably offend somebody by saying this, but it goes back to, we've got to start looking at what we're eating. Yeah, you know, if we weren't eating animals, we would not be in this predicament that we're in right now. So when COVID hit, it did a couple of things on a good level. It brought people into us for more services. On a bad thing, we weren't able to do our community support group meetings anymore because of social distancing and all that stuff. So it's been both good and bad. One of the things about recovery is you have to learn how to adjust and adapt. And we've actually grown and improved during the past year that when we finally get back to some normalcy, we'll be better than we were before. Yeah, I've noticed that as well, that there's a lot of downsides to COVID, no doubt about it. But the upside is, I think it's caused all of us, like you say, to adapt to new ways of doing business that we probably would not have done I know I would not have done. And when we get back to that normalcy, as you mentioned, keeping some of those those programs going, I think will be very helpful. For example, I, I'm doing a lot of work with people overseas, pr- people in Europe. And that's because I, I joined at different Zoom groups, which I would have, I'd never heard of Zoom prior to uh. COVID and uh, doing a lot of online work and reaching out to people like you and I are doing right now. Uh, my, my podcast actually started uh, once COVID hit, and it was just a way for me to communicate with people. That's how it started, communicating with people, because I had no other way to do it. But this is something certainly we're going to continue to do after COVID. So there are some upsides to it that I think we're all Absolutely. learning from. Mm-hmm. Now, um, are you, so you do the 1-5K race per year to celebrate what you've done during the year. But I mean, obviously, uh, in your own personal life, and a lot of the folks that are a part of racing recovery, racing, you know, on their own is big. I, I I know it's a big part of your life. Do you support people? Um, like, do you got sponsors? Like, for example, Ultraman Triathlon. Um, my wife and I crew for people that do Ultraman. Do you, do you guys provide that services, or do you just do it endemically, or how how does that work? Well, we've we've taken people, you know, and as a licensed clinician now, you know, over the years, I've and I'm a I'm certified Ironman coach as well. Um, We've taken people literally from Attic to Ironman. That's the title of my first book. Now, is that the driving force of Racing for Recovery? No. But a very small percent of our people have found 
that specific route that I've taken, which actually was a part of founding Racing for Recovery, and they've tried it on their own. I'm working with one of our guys now who we, we signed him up to do uh, Ironman Michigan later this year. Um, we, we pay for the entry fees for it. We, you know, buy them the gear, pay for the equipment. Cause a lot of people that are coming to us are coming in with, with trash bags. They don't have anything, you know, their whole life is in a trash bag. In fact, I just saw three people sitting out in our lobby with their, their stuff in trash bags. And I said, that is the last time you're ever going to do that. You're going to get your life together here. So yeah. Yes, we have um, we have provided the ability for people to do Ironman. I've taken people with me to different Ironmans around the world, Korea, South Africa, Hawaii. Um, oh God, where else have we gone? Different ones in the United States. You know, so I, and I do that to show this is where the concept of Racing for Recovery started with just me doing Ironmans and using exercise as a part of my recovery, it's led to forming racing for recovery and all the things that we do today. So it's not the focus of it, but it's part of our story. And that's why I, I talk about it. It's a great marketing tool. Um, and I still enjoy doing them. You know, I'm scheduled to do, what am I doing this year? I don't know, eight or nine half Ironmans and then Ironman Hawaii again this year. So I still love traveling the world. Um, going to be going to Russia to do Ironman St. Petersburg later this summer. Oh, I've not heard of that one. It's it's new. It's the first time they're adding it this year. So I, I like doing it. I like taking people with me to do these things. Um, I like it when people do them for themselves. I like supporting them on their own journey. So it's it's just a fun thing to still be active in. Mm -hmm. Um, That's if they happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. I was signed up for Ironman Maryland and I think I'm on my what second uh, deferral right now. So we'll see if they happen. Hopefully they do. That's in, um, that's in October usually, right? Yeah. Late September, October. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm doing the uh, half in Haines city, Florida, April 18th and it, it's a go. Oh, good. So that'll be the first one in North America this year. I was fortunate enough to do the half in Arizona last October that was the only race that was in North America last year. And it was, uh, they ran, Ironman did a fabulous job at putting that event on. So I, you know, like I said, it's, it's going to start in April and we'll see how she goes. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and speaking of all these things, not just triathlon, not just our world, you know, the athletics world being um, shut down, but just everything just being shut down. Todd, tell me a little bit about, you being in the recovery business, I mean, you know, with racing recover for recovery, what has been the effects of this? I mean, obviously, it's not just people in recovery, but from the mental health perspective, this basically having all hobbies, all interests, meetings, you know, the 12-step communities, all of the 12-step communities really depend on that face-to-face -face fellowship interaction you guys do as well. How has this impacted you? I mean, what's kind of the, what do you, what was the effect and what do you think the long-term consequences of that are going to be this, this last year? You know, it's as a, as a, I don't like calling it a mental health provider. I, I got to stop using that term as a, as a person who's fortunate enough to put some clinical stuff on some real life experiences. How about that? That's bringing it down to reality. Yeah. The, the, the struggle that we're seeing people, let alone young kids who are battling 
depression, suicide, the suicide rate is just skyrocketing. During it has. The, yeah. It's yeah. and to think that we're, we're closing gyms to, because of this, um, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. So my point is this, you're, you're asking me, you know, what are we doing all this or what's the impact when people make a cognizant effort to raise their hand and say, I need some help and come into racing for recovery. They're going to get not only that peer support, we still have meetings they are smaller than what they used to be, but they get an opportunity to really start focusing on self and underlining circumstances and traumas that are leading to addiction and getting them really active in their recovery and active in their recovery doesn't mean just going to support group meetings. It means volunteering. Um, it means maybe going back and taking a couple of classes at school or we had a couple of people that just got their GEDs again. Um, you know, exercising as we've talked about, but really taking the time during this hardship of focusing on self and everything that self needs. So again, on a flip side, we've seen a lot of growth in people that maybe previously, you know, they were working a job for 60, 70 hours a week that they didn't have the time to focus on self. So now it's given them a time to really look at self and what do they need as an individual and start doing some of that to cope effectively without, you know, taking medications all day to truly be at peace with themselves. So again, I, th I think this whole virus thing has given us an opportunity to really look at what we're doing to the world, what we're doing to ourselves, you know, what we're doing to the animals that we're killing to eat that are causing this thing in the first place and really starting to turn it around and start living a life that's of value and, and productive and happy and well. You know, and you raise a really important concept there, and I unwittingly kind of did this myself, but I think that's just what years of recovery do. It changes your thinking, right? You know, yes. we, we, we say in recovery, we don't expect you to change much. We just expect you to change everything, and it starts with our thinking. Um, this last year, um, for me personally, it, it's been devastating for the world. It's certainly been devastating for this country. But for me on a personal level, I've been able to do a lot of things that I never had time to do before. You mentioned being wrapped up in a job where you're working 60, 70 hours a week. That was certainly me. And I never had time for my hobbies. I never had time to go back to school again. Or uh, this podcast actually is one of the things that I, I like I found. It's like, okay, oh, I can't do this. But what can mm -hmm. I do? And you go and you find the things you can do. I went back to school. I'm working on a on another degree. I would have never thought at this stage of my life I, I would be doing that. But I think in recovery, and and those of you that are out there listening, and you can't maybe you're you know, you need help. Maybe you uh, are you're still using. Maybe you're you're sitting right now listening to this podcast and you're depressed because you can't leave your house. Um, reach out to somebody. Reach out to one of us, and let's find what you can't let you know. I've always said in recovery, we, we know what the problem is. I, I think we're pretty good at figuring out what the problem is. It's the solution that we need to look for. Okay, we can't do this, but let's look at, instead of focusing on what we can't do, let's focus on what we can do. And that's going to help us mentally, physically, spiritually, all of those things. Well said, my brother. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. Yeah. Hey, so just a little little final shout out. Uh, anything, you know, last word that you want to leave? And of course, you know, make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with you and your your great folks there in Ohio at Racing for Recovery. Uh, just one final word. What, what would you want to say to the listeners? Uh, if I can do this, you can do this. There, there is, a, if somebody, and I, I, I always picture this and you said it earlier, buddy, you know, someone's sitting there right now finishing off a, a beer or a joint or whatever, and he's listening to us. That's the person I want right now to go, dude, you do not have to drink that stuff ever again the rest of your life. There is a, there is a life that is patiently waiting for you to make a choice to go get. And if you check out racingforrecovery.org or our Ignite Euphoria podcast, any of our books, any of our movies, any of our live streams, check us out. If you think we can help you, give us a call and we will do whatever we can to help you be the best person that you deserve to be. Yeah, very, very well said. And please do make that call. And if you don't, if you're not in Ohio or you can't get there, you know, find somewhere where you are. But, you know, first, take that first step and get the help because you can, you know, as Todd just said, you can get well. You can get well. Uh, you just have to have that willingness to, to do it. And trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me when I say that once you decide to get well, there are a lot of people that will come around you and help you along that journey. So. Todd, I really appreciate you uh, coming and talking with us today. I've really enjoyed it. And um, we will we'll talk to you next time, guys. This is Mike Van Meter again. And um, as always, I'd like to say I don't represent any group, even though we're talking about a, a particular group here. You know, we're not endorsing it per se. We're just giving you different, different options that you can look at. So um, I don't represent anyone other than myself. And my only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it's helped me and, and the same with Todd, and maybe it can help you as well. So if we've said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, you know, just discard it, but try to take something away from our discussion today that can help you and help others as well, because that's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the way. So with that, please visit our Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's a topic you're interested in hearing. Because I'd love to hear from you. Take care, and I'll see you next time.